this is important, your lawnmower. If those blades are not right, you leave weird mowing patterns in your grass and the neighbors laugh behind your back. Hando Service Center also carries bad boy mowers, the mower that Willie Nelson mows his grass with. Your lawn will thank you. Hando Service Center on Sheridan's Heartland Drive. Sheridan Johnson County Cremation Services, a division of Sheridan Funeral Home, is here to serve your loved ones that choose cremation. It is an honor for our team of certified professionals to guide your loved one with care and respect throughout the entire process. To us, this is a service and a ministry to our friends and community members. It is our honor to be there when you need us. To find out more, visit SheridanFuneral.com. Sheridan Funeral Home and Cremations, compassionate professional service for the Sheridan community. A memorial for fallen Sheridan police officer, Sergeant Nevada Crinky, has been established at First Federal Bank and Trust under the name of Carla Crinky or FBO of Nevada Crinky. If you'd like to honor him, this is your opportunity. Bring your donations by First Federal Bank and Trust on the corner of Illinois and Coffin Avenue. Or you can mail them to First Federal Bank and Trust, P.O. Box 6007, Sheridan, Wyoming. Okay, remember your mom saying, don't make that face or it'll freeze that way. Well, if you ignored her and now you're stuck with that face, the Health Nut can help. Yep, the Health Nut has healthy choices of lotions for your skin and essential oils and diffusers and sea salt lamps to soothe your nerves after walking around with that froze face. Remember, say that again and I'll wash your mouth out with soap. The Health Nut has natural soaps, too. The Health Nut, dedicated to getting you healthy and keeping you that way. Located in Sheridan's 5th Street Mall. This is Public Pulse, your information and conversation program. Brought to you by First Federal Bank and Trust. You can voice your opinion by calling 672-KROE. That's 672-5763. Now, your host for Public Pulse... Floyd Whitey. Good morning and welcome to Public Pulse. I am joined this morning by the executive director of the museum at the Bighorns, Danielle Stuckel. Good morning and welcome back to the show. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Could you pull that microphone just a little? There you go. Thank you very much. How have things been progressing with the big move? Oh, it's simultaneously fast and slow. There's some <laughs> some days, you know, something big will happen and a whole bunch of dominoes will fall. And then we'll have a week where, okay, we're just doing this piddly little task that's super boring. So it's it's a big roller coaster. <laughs> I had a sergeant who used to say all the time that slow is smooth and smooth is fast. Yeah. And so I would imagine that's very much the practice going on with Trying to inventory all these. What what is it like? Thirty thousand items you guys have. I think that's around. That's the number we've been using. We'll oh, have a better cow. idea when we're done with the inventory. And and making sure that you know where each one comes from and the history of each item. Yeah. Have you guys come across anything where nobody knows what it is or where we've, it came from? We've had a, quite a few things like that. We um, are looking for the paperwork about things or looking to talk to people who've been involved in the organization over the years. What do you remember about this? And some things are just lost to time, which isn't unusual in a museum. Sometimes you'll see an article where, oh, they found this in this museum, and you wonder, well, how can they just find something? But things get stuck in the back of a closet, and the paperwork gets lost, and people forget what was there, and then they retire, and um, somebody else comes across it, and, oh, now we have to re you re- research this and figure out what the history of it is and 
And uh, that's easier said than done sometimes. Is, is it a little exciting, though? I mean, I, I think if you looked at me, if I worked for you, and you said, Floyd, look at this item. I want you to find out what this thing was used for in history. Yeah, I love that. I It's a lot of detective work and trying to um, kind of reverse engineer things. What could you possibly use this for? And there are things in any museum where you stumble across and I have no idea what this was for. <laughs> I can't even imagine how somebody would have used it, especially if it's something that's homemade. I've worked in uh, a lot of small museums with a lot of farm implements and some farmer made a special tool for something and nobody knows what it's for anymore. <laughs> I, I think I would just really love that challenge unless it was a lot, you know, where you were to hand me a box of stuff and say, this is what you're doing for the next six months. Yeah. Jeff. Ooh. <laughs> I think it would be pretty fine, pretty fun. Now, have you found anything in the inventory that took you by surprise? Or shocked you? Well, um, I don't know if anything's been shocking, but a lot we've come across a lot of surprising things, things from World War One era and World War Two era, where soldiers are bringing things back from other countries, yeah. and we don't always know the culture around something, or things that are Native American, where because of the work I've done, I have an idea that there might be something around an object that might make it problematic for us to have, but I don't always know enough about it to really understand, okay, what is this exactly? Where did it come from? Is this a problem for us to have in the collections or not? Who do I talk to to find out more? Those are some of the challenges that we've encountered, but I really enjoy all of that. Yeah. Just opening a box and we've we've uncovered some really cool stuff and I'm excited. Some of the stuff we know for sure we want to use it in the new exhibits and it's it's some some really fun storytelling I think we'll be able to do. Is it kind of like cleaning your bedroom when you were a kid? You get in there, you start digging around in a box, all of a sudden three hours have passed because you got hung up on yeah. a journal or, yep. wow, I didn't know we had this. Let's let's really explore this one item. And then all of a sudden the day's gone. Oh, absolutely. I That is a downfall for me. I get <laughs> too distracted by one thing and then, oh, there's five more boxes to look through. <laughs> That's a, it was terrible for me as a kid because every time I'd clean my room, I'd find comics that I hadn't read in a while or whatever, and all of a sudden just lose myself. And I could only imagine being up the museum. I would just more than likely be in your way more than anything well, else. One of the things that is a problem for me and a problem for a lot of people who work in museums is we get really attached to people that we never knew. And you have to be careful to not create false narratives wow, about people. Yeah. But you also get really attached to some people. Uh, I I like textiles and quilts. I've done quilting. A lot of my family members quilt. So quilts are, anytime there's quilts in a collection, they're really special to me. And I found some, there's four generations of women represented in this one collection of these different textiles, woven textiles, different quilts that were made over these four generations. And I find it just fascinating, and I'm having a hard time. I feel so connected to these women, and I don't really know that much about them. So I find myself kind of filling in the stories of these Romanticizing. women. Romanticizing. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So where can we do research to find out the reality of who these women were? Um, there's a great-grandma who was were, uh, living in New York State, and then the other generations were here on a ranch. 
So there's there's an opportunity for us to do some real significant research and find out, hopefully find out more about who these people were, what was their story. I would love to really dig into that. Um, but, you know, here I am, these people I've never met before. I'm just really attached to them already. <laughs> yeah, that's so fascinating. I I love quilts. Uh, I, I know I've, I've gushed about them before on the show, but the, it's just the idea that quilts were more than just a blanket. I mean, yeah. they were an artistic expression. They were, they hold history. Quilts are so, they, they carry so much meaning yeah. when they're, when they were made on the prairie. I yeah. mean, it, it, it was an amazing preservation of family, culture, art, I mean, everything yeah. of that time. Yeah. I mean, a and, quilt means a lot. And there's so much that you can talk about with them. If, if you have kids that are really interested in math and science, you can talk about the patterns that people were using, how they were constructed, who was making the raw materials for what you were using to construct them. Um, you know, was somebody local making the woven material? There's so much to talk about. And, and these women in particular uh, came from a local ranch that was raising sheep. So I think there's a really rich story about I love telling that sheep to sweater story of oh, the yeah. entire where did this come from? Who was making this? What was their influence and inspiration and who used it? You know, how many generations of the family, you know, we still have this. So apparently it mattered to somebody. It doesn't end up in a museum if it didn't matter to somebody. Somebody oh, saved it. Absolutely. And and again, quilts, I mean, I think it would be great. And I'm sure you guys have already cooked up this idea, but to have just like a big quilt exposition and where people can walk through and look at that history boy you'd find me there probably more than once have have you come across any other hurdles uh it during the move so far has anything really gotten in your way as far as progress getting things done uh long-term plans short-term anything like that one of the biggest challenges is just trying to make sure that i have plans that i have multiple plans if this scenario doesn't happen the way I thought it was going to be. What is my plan B and my plan C? So there's a lot of that scrambling at the last minute. Oh, we can do this today. That's what we're going to do. Um, we thought we were going to do something else, but this is what we're really doing. So there's a lot of that is just making sure that we can roll with the punches and keep busy and keep moving forward. Contingency plans. Exactly. I mean, yeah. having something to fall back when something else you know blows the road in your way or something. Yeah. So. Uh, a matter of fact, uh, me and my director were actually talking about that this morning. The radio stations were saved this morning because of contingency plans that he had in place. They come in handy. Now, yeah. do you guys have enough volunteers? If not, how does somebody join up to help you go through all this? Because uh, it seems like it can be a bit meticulous. It is. There are aspects about collections management that are very meticulous very, um, I call it fussy, but it's, you need to be really paying attention to detail. And it's not something everybody yeah. is interested in doing. Um, so we're certainly looking for, we, we have a lot of opportunities for people who just want to help us move stuff. But we also have a lot of opportunities for people who really want to dig in and, and help us describe objects. Uh, we We measure objects, we describe what kind of damage they have on them if anything we make drawings to depict where 
Um, if there's a preservation issue with an object, like, again, a quilt maybe, if there's stains on it that we have to take a look at. So we, we make drawings. We enter everything into an electronic database. So there's a, a lot of layers to the work that has to be done. And we're looking for volunteers of all sorts to help us. I've had a lot of people ask if we've moved already because they don't realize everything that's involved. We have to go through all the boxes, make sure everything's housed properly. Uh, whether we're moving this stuff ourselves or hiring somebody else to move, we have to be really careful that we're looking at everything, and it's very time-consuming. So it, once people realize all of the steps that are involved, they understand better, oh, this is why it's taking you so long. Yeah. <laughs> Why 2025 is the the opening goal yep. because I mean preserving history during a move yeah geez moving a house is difficult enough now yeah. imagine that everything in that house is just one of a kind yeah and cannot be replaced yeah. you know you want to be careful in what we're doing it's a huge responsibility and we're trying really hard to make sure we can live up to that so I, I gotta take a break but before I go if I want to jump in. And, and help you out, what do I need to do? Email me at director at museumbighorns.org. Okay, there you go. So just shoot an email, folks. And remember, this is going to be a meticulous job. You got to pay attention to detail on this one. All right, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll have more with the museum at the Bighorns right after this. You're listening to Public Pulse on 930 KROE and 103.9 FM. Share it in. ever wondered what makes First Federal Bank and Trust unique? We're a mutual bank, which means our focus is on you. Unlike other banks, we don't pay shareholders. We pay our community. At First Federal Bank and Trust, your financial interests drive our decisions. Bank with us and experience the mutual bank difference, where the power of community fuels your financial success. First Federal Bank and Trust is Sheridan's only mutual bank. Member FDIC. Come see what's new during the Buterest President's Day Sale at Carol's Furniture. We offer 22 different models to give you the best choice of comfort, quality, and value. And for a limited time, you can save up to $800 on any complete Buterest luxury set and up to $1,100 off on complete Buterest black sets. Whether you need the continuous support of our Harmony collection or desire the ultimate luxury of Buterest black, you'll find it at Carol's Furniture. Online at carolsfurniture.com, on social media, and visit us at 340 North Main Street. As a Helen Brand water pro, I can help clear up any questions you have about filtration for your home's water. Like how clean my drinking water really is? We'll show you what's in your water with a simple in-home water test. Or telling me what reverse osmosis even means and how it's different than standard filtration? For sure. The Helen Brand Millennium uses reverse osmosis, four stages of enhanced filtration, to filter out up to 99% of the contaminants that standard filtration leaves behind. For your in-home water test, call Water Products and Solutions today. So what are Shopaminiums? They combine both commercial and residential elements. Synergy Shopaminiums, a large warehouse space, a full bath, conference area, office, and a laundry. Customized to fit your individual needs. Synergy Shopaminiums, located on Sheridan's East Ridge Road, a customizable condominium unit combining convenience and functionality. Easy access to the interstate and downtown. For more info, call Sheridan Realty Associates to reserve yours today. This public service announcement sponsored by Pilch Engineering, providing landfill engineering services to Wyoming. 
Have you heard the news? Habitat for Humanity of the Eastern Bighorns is raffling off a 2022 Arctic Fox travel trailer. Tickets are $50 each with proceeds supporting our efforts to build homes in Sheridan County. So take your chance today to win. All tickets can be purchased online and more information can be found at SheridanHabitat.org. Welcome back to Public Pulse. I'm Floyd Whiting. My guest this morning is Executive Director of the Museum at the Bighorns, Danny Stuckel. Now, in the first part of the show, we discussed the big move that's happening and the meticulous work that is actually having to be done to ensure the safety and the, the inventory of what we've got up there at the museum is done correctly. If you would like to take part in that, all you've got to do is shoot an email to Danny Stuckle. You can find her email address at the Museum of the Bighorns website. Now, there's also something else going on, History Happy Hour. This is a newer program up there at the Museum of the Bighorns. Let's talk about that a little bit, Danny. What are we going to be looking at? First off, for those who don't know, what is History Happy Hour? History Happy Hour is a program we started as It's not intended to be a lecture where we're lecturing at people. It's intended to be very much like sitting around a campfire or sitting around in a bar where you're just visiting really casual about history. We've had events at the museum that kind of naturally, organically devolved into that where we were just sitting around a table visiting about interesting local history, and we thought this would be a great event for us to have just Uh, bring a beer and a camp chair and let's sit around and we'll have a theme that we pick out, but we really don't even care how much we stick to that theme. We're we're just going to sit around and talk about history and and, uh, build relationships in the community. So we've taken that. We've done some of them up at the museum, but we started to move them around a little bit. We had one in Ranchester that was really fun. I enjoyed that one a lot. And now that the museum's closed, we thought, well, this is a great opportunity to do outreach, we're going to move these around to different places in the community, different communities in the region. We have several coming up. Um, I haven't been planning them in depth. Our visitor services coordinator, Chip King, has been the lead on this, and he's got a great team that he's been working with. A couple of our board members have stepped forward, Greg Luman, Brooke Welch, and they've they've taken this on, and I've been able to hand this off to them and and enjoyed having somebody else plan this. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could just attend and exactly. have a good time. Yep. So the next one is next Friday at 5.30 at the Flagstaff Cafe. And I think that there's an opportunity for people to come in and buy some Sheridan beer. I'm not, because I haven't been as involved in planning this, I'm not clear on all the details, but I think that is the intention for this one. And we have, uh, Mark Dumple has been a great partner to us. He came to the museum and did a presentation and has been a, a good supporter of this program, and we've been glad to, to have him as a partner. And and so that's the next one, next Friday. Is that the 8th, I believe it is? Uh, let's see. Yes, Friday, 5.30, March 8th. Yeah, and the some of the ones coming up, I think we have one planned for story, one for, um, oh, I don't even remember where all their they're located. That's something that I'll be getting up on our website and social media. We'll be doing some social media ads so people know about them. But it's a it's a real fun program, real casual to show up. And um, this one next Friday is focused on flooding in the area. 
Sheridan flooding, man. There's there's been some great photographs that I've seen. Yeah. Uh, of of parts of the street drifting around. Yeah. After some of the flooding in this area. Yeah. It's absolutely amazing to I, see. I think uh, Greg, our our board member Greg, has I think been looking through photos that he wants to bring, and I don't know if he's doing a PowerPoint or. Or just, I think he must be doing a PowerPoint because he's got a bunch of slides he's been looking at, I think. So we've got some great photos to look at and great conversation. And it's it's casual, so people can join in and participate. And what, what are your memories? I really like hearing about that. The one we did in Ranchester, I learned so much about a community that I haven't spent a lot of time in so far. I've been trying to focus not just on Sheridan, but on the other areas in the region also. And that was such a good opportunity for me to hear about people's memories growing up, what they remember, how they interpret local history. It's such a great way to hear people's perspectives. Absolutely. And this this region that we live and work in, you know, between Johnson County, Sheridan County, my goodness, the history here. It's really rich. Oh, yes. it's so rich. Uh, and and it's it's almost like a little gem. You know, because you got the big national things that everyone goes to. Yeah. So we've got these little things that were all connected to everything that was going on within the nation. And I yeah. think it's just absolutely fascinating. Now, Danny, this move is also very expensive. Uh, it, now, I know about one fundraiser we'll, we'll touch on here in a second. But are you looking to have other fundraisers throughout the probably the next year, year and a half, to try to mitigate some of this? Yes. We'll be looking for sponsors who are interested in sponsoring some of the exhibits, people just interested in, in donating to help with the move, any foundations that um, this is the kind of thing they might support. We're, we're definitely looking for assistance to help us with all of the, uh, you know, the all the dominoes that have to fall in the right places. Uh but we will be doing some very specific focused fundraisers as well. Now tell me about Feast of the Flowering Moon, the celebration of native flora. We're really excited about that. That is coming up June, Friday, June 21st, and it'll be at the county fairgrounds, the exhibit hall. And we've never done anything like this before. It's new for us to do a big fundraiser gala like this, but it's really focused on native plants, things that, um, and animals, we're going to focus a lot on bison. I've been to some events where we had bison served in multiple ways, which is unique for a lot of people. A lot of people who've had bison, which isn't everybody, um, but people, even people who have had bison often have only had ground meat. Yeah. And so this is an opportunity to have several different varieties of bison, um, we're working with a caterer from the Crow Reservation, and the menu that she's developing is just amazing. She's got meatballs and um, bison in a stew and teriyaki, bison, uh, bacon-wrapped. I can't remember everything that she's got, but it's wonderful menu. And then she's very focused on native plants, juneberries. There's, a, I think, a juneberry bread pudding or cheesecake or something that she has planned and they all sound amazing and wonderful and really highlight those native native plants and animals that people have been eating here for thousands of years how fun is that uh to learn about not just learn about the flora but be able to actually eat a cuisine made directly from it yeah yep 
That's we're, amazing. We're excited. This is going to be really fun. My board members are really excited, and uh, we're going to be doing activities around native plants. How do you how do you identify them? How do you find them? How do people learn about plants in the area? What's what's native? What's invasive? What are historic heirlooms that weren't from here, but people still love to have in their gardens, all of, covering all of that kind of thing. We're, we're uh, looking forward to it. Surrounded by the, the environment of a gala. I yeah. mean, is this going to be like a, a black tie affair or slightly black tie? Um, it, it's slightly black tie, not, not too formal. Formal, not too formal. Yes, exactly. Um, if somebody shows up in, in jeans and a blazer, they'd fit right in. <laughs> there you go, yep. I, I, that's Wyoming formal. Yes, we'll, yep, <laughs> we'll exactly. Call it that. But we have uh, um, uh, a gentleman who's coming from the Rapid City area who's Native American, and he's going to start out with more traditional music oh, and then move wow. into more party music in the evening. He has a well, cr- he does a very eclectic um, style across multiple genres, and so the later part of the evening will be just just a big party, fun. This sounds like it is going to be a really good time. Yeah. Danielle, when is this going to happen? Friday, June 21st. How do I get tickets for this? We'll be having tickets available on our website. I don't have them up just yet. This is the first we've really started talking publicly about this event. And so we'll have tickets available on our website. We're also looking for sponsors to help help with that event. And um we're we're just really excited to be able to do something like this. This is a first for us and we're hoping that it's going to we're already talking about what is our theme for next year. Absolutely. And this this one here. I mean, this sounds like it is going to be not just a, a fun evening to to give you a chance to get dressed up, but I mean, you are going to be experiencing something. It might be once in a lifetime. Yeah. With yeah. the food and 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 the way that it's all native plants. And another thing, if you're going to show up there, folks, looking for a bison steak, you better show up hungry. Yeah. <laughs> Those things are, are a little large. Uh, my dad used to take me out and get me bison steak when I was a kid. Boy, I don't think I ever made it through a whole one by myself. But uh, I used to be um, very involved in the bison ranching community, and I was on. I served on a board um, for a bison museum. And I'm, that's just always one of my agendas is, oh, hey, are you guys familiar with all the other ways you can eat them? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Let's throw some on the plate. All right. I'm, I'm super excited about this. Plus, uh, that is it going to be a fundraiser? So all yes. that money is going to go right back to our museum at the Bighorns. Yep. Again, fantastic. Uh, are, are any other ideas being thrown around as to what we'll see there? Not like it's not enough. I mean, we've got Native American plants, presentations music. It sounds like it's going to be a great time. We have a lot that we're working on for programming. We want to continue to do a lot of programming this next year just to keep our name out in the public, make sure people know what we're doing, that we're still here. Uh, the museum might technically be closed, but we're still out in the community doing outreach, doing programming. We're here and we're involved. Fantastic. And I like that approach because you are busy got to close the doors and move everything but that doesn't mean you're not getting things done right danny thank you so much for coming in this morning it is always a pleasure seeing you my friend thank you <laughs> all right when we come back we're going to hear from our own senator dave kinsky this is public pulse on 930 we 103.9 fm shared
memorial for fallen Sheridan police officer Sergeant Nevada Crinky has been established at First Federal Bank and Trust under the name of Carla Crinky or FBO of Nevada Crinky. If you'd like to honor him, this is your opportunity. Bring your donations by First Federal Bank and Trust on the corner of Illinois and Coffin Avenue, or you can mail them to First Federal Bank and Trust, P.O. Box 6007, Sheridan, Wyoming. From sleek sedans to spacious SUVs, wearing Sheridan Chevrolet has got the wheels to match your lifestyle with the surge in new inventory sales. Wearing Chevrolet is taking in a lot of high-quality, low-mile, pre-owned vehicles spanning all makes and models. The team of Wearing Chevrolet is dedicated to guiding you through the entire process. Visit WearingSheridan.com or stop by 107 East Dowdger and let the team introduce you to the wearing way of buying a vehicle. WearingSheridan.com. Branded with quality, Shipton's Bigger. It's all right here, everything you need, Shipton's Bigger. Whether you're in the saddle or out on the town, take advantage of this special offer from Shipton's Big R and Ariat. Receive a $20 gift card with your $100 purchase of Ariat Denim. Ariat Denim is expertly constructed from the inside out. You'll know they're the right jeans for you the moment you put them on. Men's, ladies, kids, we have you covered with the comfortable feel of Ariat Denim at Shipton's Big R. Offering the largest, most complete selection of Ariat with a fit and finish for everybody. And now, through March 3rd, you'll receive a $20 gift card with your $100 area jeans purchase at Shipton's Big R on Sugarland Drive in Sheridan. Branded with quality, Shipton's Big R. Wake up and smell the coffee lovers. McDonald's in Sheridan, Buffalo, and Gillette are bringing back the McCafe menu magic. Delightful espresso drinks and coffees. Whether you crave the warmth of a hot cappuccino or caramel cappuccino, mochas, lattes, iced coffees, and more, you can order your McCafe coffee right from the McDonald's app using mobile order and pay for a quick pickup. Your mornings just got a whole lot better with McDonald's McCafe because, hey, good day start with a great cup of coffee it's back a great meal that benefits a great cause the knights of columbus lenten fish fry dinner 4 30 to 6 30 p.m this friday march 1st at 301 east brundage in sheridan tickets are 15 dollars a person or 60 dollars for a family of five or more kids five and under are free dine in or take out proceeds benefit the holy name catholic school tuition assistance fund for shut-in delivery call 672-0936 the knights of columbus fish fry dinner this friday at ronalini hall or the knights of columbus Good morning and welcome back to Public Pulse, proudly brought to you by our friends out there at First Federal Bank and Trust. I'm Floyd Whiting. For the second part of our show this morning, I am joined by the chairman of the Senate Appropriations Committee, member of the Management Council and Senate Rules and Procedure Committee, Republican Senator of District 22, Mr. Dave Kinski. Good morning, sir. Hey, hey, Floyd. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. How's this year's budget session progressing so far? How's the feel? Uh, well, we're halfway, so that feels pretty good. Uh, <laughs> it's a four-week session. <laughs> as, as you know, uh, we're a citizen legislature. We can only meet 60 days every two years, and, and in even-numbered years, we have a 20-day budget session. 
And uh, we're halfway through that. We're scheduled to gavel out March 8th. Uh, the Senate finished its vote on its version of the budget last week and uh, last Wednesday, and the House the same. And then what happens after that is staff has to sit down and make a big spreadsheet to compare what the Senate did and what the House did and where they're similar and where they're different. And uh, I have a meeting at noon where I'll, I'll share that presentation from staff, and then we go into what's called a joint conference committee to try and resolve those differences and see if we can get both bodies to agree on it. Uh, the fact of the matter is we're about $900 million apart, and that's because the Senate uh, passed a very conservative budget. Uh, it provides for all the things that we've got to have. It provides full funding for the Department of Health. You know, that's nursing homes and developmentally disabled. It provides full cost of living increase for K-12 and child development centers, full funding for wildfire fighting, uh, those sorts of things. Uh but we found a number of areas we could pare back. The House, by contrast, put an extra $150 million in. And I think the Senate conservatives, you know, when they started going through the budget, and I count myself amongst them, uh, you know, one thing that popped out at us was a $700,000 appropriation for a float in the Rose Bowl parade in California. And we were just stunned by that, uh, you know, at a time when, property owners are struggling with unbearable tax increases, why in heaven's name would a legislator decide that's a good idea? So that, that tells you you really got to dig in and, and find the fat and cut it. But all the basic things that we really need are there. So we'll see how it goes when we uh, sit down in conference committee and, and compare the House and the Senate versions. Uh, that's a big divide to disband, but, you know, that's our job. It's not an easy job, but it's job's got to be done. Now, sir, how, again, you think that that'll actually take quite a while. I mean, that is a, a pretty significant difference between the two budgets. Um, but do you think there, is it one of those situations where you kind of shoot for the stars and hopes to hit the moon? Uh, and so they're willing to, the house will be willing to pull back on a lot of that spending, you think? I, you know, I don't know. We'll have to get in the room and, and see how committed they are to it. And, and uh, I, I can tell you that we've got some folks on the Senate side that are pretty committed to, to reining in that budget. The reason being is we want to pay for significant, immediate property tax reform. That's our highest priority on, uh, uh, amongst the, the Senate conservatives is we have got to have property tax reform. The budget has a $20 million relief. And that's on uh, you've got to apply and you've got to supply your income tax and show that your income is low enough or your assets are low enough. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about $180 million a year in property tax relief, $300,000. That's my bill, $300,000 in exemption for every homeowner. So if your home's appraised at $400,000, you subtract $300,000, you pay tax on $100,000. 45% of the homes in the state of Wyoming would end up effectively uh, property tax exempt. Now, that sounds like a lot, $182 million, but the residential property tax elections in the last eight years have skyrocketed to three-quarters of a billion dollars. So there's plenty of room in there for 
big time relief for homeowners. And, you know, it's not like you're going to cripple the state by that kind of tax relief. And my fear is if you leave that money laying around in Cheyenne, or that it just be used to grow government. Yeah, you, you, it tends to do that. If you leave it laying around, someone's going to pick it up. That's right. Some about money, it just tends to get spent unless you put it away somewhere. Now, give it back. Give it back to the taxpayers. Your bill, the one that you're talking about, that's Senate File 0121, correct? Correct. Now, where is that in the process as of right now? Was that well accepted? It, what, you need two-thirds votes for introduction uh, in a budget session, if it, except the budget bill. But a non-budget bill needs two-thirds votes. There's 31 senators. My bill received 29 votes for introduction. And it uh, passed unanimously on the first reading, and today would be the second reading. Um, and uh, what we're trying to do is uh, we, as, as a, a group of senators, are trying to say we've got 18 bills. Let's not do like happened the last time. We never did focus in on any one bill. And I'm hoping that mine is, is the bill that gets focused on, or if not, concepts that I've got there get baked into another bill. But when I presented mine to the committee, because every bill has to go to committee, and they they were looking punch drunk from all the property tax relief bills they'd had to hear, they said that this the one I presented was the clearest, simplest, most straightforward, with the most relief for the most people of all that they'd seen. And and, and that was repeated on the on the Senate floor. Um you know, it's K-I-S-S, keep it short and simple. And this one's simple enough that everybody can understand it, uh, and uh, I think we could put it into effect immediately. Now, sir, going back to the budget itself, what, if any, are your concerns with uh, what the, the governor proposed, and how will the Senate's budget differ from that? Well, uh you know, what we received in the Senate was different than what the governor proposed, Floyd. That's important to know. Um, he proposed his budget December 1st. That's the deadline. And then it goes to the Joint Appropriations Committee, and there was quite a bit of uh, uh, tinkering that happened there, and then it got kicked out to the Senate floor. And, and as you will recall, at that time, I was not chairman of the Appropriations Committee, so my influence over the budget was somewhat limited. Um, I thought the governor's budget, as it came through, was was good. Um, you know, of course, you can disagree here and there. Uh, I generally support the governor, but we don't agree on everything. And uh, and then appropriations started adding some things in that Rose Bowl float that came from the a member of the appropriations committee that that did not come from the governor. That's not the kind of thing he would propose. And. Um, so I, I think the biggest difference between what the governor's governor has, what came out of appropriations, and what the Senate did is in prior sessions, the legislature appropriated to the governor $300 million for uh, large projects, large energy projects, and pretty much discretion over how that got spent. And, you know, it was... There was some, that was kind of a hard vote. You know, that's a lot of money without any supervision by the legislature. Uh, not that he would do anything wrong, but, you know, we do have a role 
And at the time, it was thought there were going to be these huge projects like a hydrogen hub. And the feds were going to put a billion dollars into that. And we had to have $50 million in hand. The governor had to be able to say, I've got $50 million or $100 million ready to go so that he could land those big deals. Well, those that hasn't come about that way. And uh, so it looks like, well, maybe we've got more time. Uh, you know, we're down here every 12 months. Uh, so what happened is uh, uh, one senator sponsored a bill that said, let's keep the programs intact, but let's roll the money back into the bank account. And as these projects come up, uh, let's have a, the governor put them in the budget and have the legislature consider them. That, that is probably the biggest difference in this budget between what the, what the governor wanted and, and what the Senate wanted. And that's a pretty significant difference, and it's, it's a big policy choice. Sir, what about ARPA funds? Uh, how much money do we have left over? I know our deadline is a coming, and and how have we chosen to spend those? So, by way of background, ARPA is the American Recovery Something Act. It was one of those COVID relief bills, and uh, I can't remember how many hundreds of millions of dollars the state of Wyoming received from the government printing presses. I still have reservations about that, but. Um, it looks like there's about 54 million unspent so far. That is, somebody was awarded a project and you know had to turn the money back, didn't undertake it, that kind of thing. And the money has to be quote obligated unquote by December 31 of 2024, and it has to be fully expended by December 31 of 2026. Um, besides that, 54 million. There's estimates that. Between now and the end of the year, there may be another $40 million come rolling in. So uh, we wrote an ARPA bill on the um, Senate side, uh, Senator Kolb of Rock Springs and I, and it says, um, Governor, sweep the money that's been unspent, put it first towards water projects. That's a permissible use under ARPA. So if, you, if you've if got a water project somewhere and you're st- sending them a check out of the state's coffers, hold on to the state check, send an ARPA check. Second, uh, there's a lot of hospitals out there, including um, local hospitals, that undertook construction projects where they got caught by that Biden inflation, and they need a couple million dollars to make up on that. That would be the next priority. And then third would be uh, cities and towns that submitted grants, and they they posted their own money for a match. This says, you know, see if you can give them their own money back and, you know, uh, give them ARPA money in place of it. And then the last one is roads. Recently, the federal government decided that highways was a permissible use of ARPA money. So YDOT says, hey, yeah, we're ready to go with our next four years of construction projects. Uh, to sign contracts and, and put that money to use. Now, what all those have in common is 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 it's not continuing spending. It's it's one time. It's infrastructure. You know, water, uh, medical facilities, capital projects in cities and towns, and roads. So I think that's a good use of the money. Now, it's we've gone through a couple readings on the bill. Uh, I anticipate it'll pass today and and go over the house and we'll see what they want to do with it. And I think, uh, you know, it's a fantastic use of the money because it's it's got to get spent anyway. And if we don't do it, that'll get sent back to the federal government and they'll send it to another state anyhow, correct? 
Yeah, it's absolutely right. I mean, I have people saying, well, I don't like that. I don't like that federal money. I don't like the fact they printed it. And me neither. But if we don't use it for Wyoming citizens, it'll go to California. I mean, you know, for crying out loud, let's, let's you know, use it while we got it. I, 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 I still have problems with the way the federal government printed all that money, and I think that's why we have the inflation that we have. Uh, but, you know, there it is, somewhere between 54 and 90 million bucks. Let's put it to work and build some infrastructure for the future for our kids. Absolutely. Uh, it's got to get spent anyway. It might as well be spent here and spent right now, exactly. sir, the governor of Wyoming has asked an emphasis be placed on funding mental health. What happened with uh, the funding regarding suicide hotline and mental health on the Senate side of things? The Senate fully funded the Department of Health. That's where all those programs reside is the Department of Health. It was full funding for the Department of Health. Our suicide prevention, mental health programs. That's where your nursing homes, your hospitals, uh, developmentally disabled programs, all in the Department of Health, full funding for the Department of Health. Like I said, when we when this, we in the Senate cut the budget by three-quarters of a billion dollars, made, first, it made sure first that we had fully funded all the must-haves. It, it, that's what, and so it's there. I mean, I think I think it's a conservative budget that folks can be proud of. And when it comes to direct distributions, um, and I'm trying to remember the the amount right off the top of my head, uh, but I'm thinking that the House may have even added to direct distributions this year, uh, maybe even upwards of, of $40 million. Once again, I'll have to double-check that figure. But did the Senate decide? to throw any extra funding into the direct distributions this year, or have we held solid on the line? Um, you're, you're, you're good on your math, Floyd. Uh, the governor proposed 110, joint appropriations cut it to 105, and then the House tripped all over themselves to spend even more and moved it up to $146 million. Um, There was somebody on the Senate side was thinking about bumping it up more, and I said, you don't want to get it a bidding war when it comes to spending with a house you're going to lose because they'll always spend more than you sorry <laughs> i just had to say that <laughs> friendly jab friendly jab yeah yeah uh, so the senate decided to go ahead and keep it where it's at yeah we left it at 146 now I, I, you know i don't think there was the will to just to, to start cutting that it's um you know, the cities and towns, it's its a big percentage of some cities and towns' budgets. My recollection is Sheridan, it was about 8 or 9% of our budget. Uh, Buffalo, I think it's maybe 12, 14%. But there was one county, it's its a third of their whole budget. I mean, there, there are some poor little counties and poor little cities around the state. They don't have two nickels to rub together. And so that direct distribution is pretty important. And I think people need to understand the the importance of it just as you said some of the bigger cities could probably get by but it's those smaller communities that depend on that money for large capital projects and some of them just to keep the doors open absolutely now sir uh i've only got about four minutes with you left i was wondering if you could inform our listeners on how they can participate in this entire process. Somewhat be active. If they feel like they want to be heard, what can they do? 
Well, first, of course, there's email. And um, uh, we're getting plenty of email this session. It, it's just almost overwhelming. Uh, I do appreciate the email that in the subject line says, I'm from Sheridan, I'm from Buffalo, I'm from KC, because I can sort that out more readily from the emails that are just from all over the state, all over other states, and sometimes from around the world you get emails. Um, U.S. mail is probably kind of the best way right now because I, I, don't, I haven't received one written letter that I know of uh, in this session. I've received some before session. And mail, you open it up and read it. The email is just really tough to get through it. it, it I mean, I try, but it's just so many hours in a day. And, um, uh, you know, I'll, I, I go through them. I see who's writing. I see what they're, what they're urging to vote for or against. So I, I try to give a, consider everything that I can. Time doesn't permit, permit me to reply to all of them, unfortunately. Now, is there anything? And I, I just, I, I I want to ask Floyd, just so people know, we don't have a staff. It's me, right? Yeah. And uh, it, so it's not like a U.S. senator where they've got you know, 20 or 30 people that can handle all the correspondence and make sure that's, that's not us. We're just humble little citizen legislature. Right, it's you sitting at the desk there that's uh, opening all the emails, uh, in, yeah. not somebody else back at the office. Now, uh, before I let you go, I got two minutes. Is there anything you would like to say or add regarding this year's budget session, sir? Um, you know, I think it's it's interesting. It's it's not just all about the budget. Uh, this property tax is is really. I'm optimistic that we're going to get something done there. Uh, there's a lot of legislation trying to help our mineral industries and preserve multiple use on public lands. That's that's absolutely important. Um, you know, we've got a lot of things going on trying to protect children. This, this gender and sexuality education, trying to protect kids from that. And uh, and then, of course, the mental health. You know, that's absolutely important. So there's a lot of the social issues that are being addressed, as well as the financial issues. So. Uh, we can walk and chew gum at the same time, so we're, we're doing both the budget and these other things. The one thing that I feel we really need to do in Wyoming is we need greater transparency in our finances and in our budget. It, not so long ago, you'd be on the Senate and House floor. You didn't get the budget till it was the day to vote on it. And the appropriators would have all this information explaining what was really there. They never shared it. So I and some others years ago said, one, we're getting that budget out to people the first day. They should have it two months in advance. We're not there yet. All the information the Appropriations Committee has, I make sure everybody on the floor shares it. My job is not to, quote, defend the budget. My job is to make sure every senator understands what's in that so they can participate meaningfully in voting to either increase or decrease the budget in places that are of interest to them. All right, sir, I got to let you go. Uh, I appreciate it. Uh, It's been great talking to you. You've been listening. Thanks, Floyd. You take care. You as well, sir. You've been listening to Public Pulse on 930 KROE. A benefit account for Carol Hamilton, the homeowner whose home was demolished during the standoff, has been established at First Federal Bank and Trust. You can make your checks payable to Carol Hamilton. Checks can be dropped off at First Federal Bank and Trust on the corner of Illinois and Coffee Avenue. You can also mail them to First Federal Bank and Trust, P.O. Box 6007, 
Sheridan, Wyoming, 82801. I'm here today with Candace Crane from Sheridan Honda and Power Sports. Tommy, hi. Have you noticed all the new Hondas on our lot? I have. Looks like you have one of everything. We do, and there are plenty of reasons to buy a new Honda. For qualified buyers, every SUV from the HRV to the Pilot is 4.9% financing for 60 months. Civic and Accord are 2.9% for 36 months, and we have a couple of 23 Ridgelines left at 0.9% for 36 months. Great deals. And these all come with complimentary oil changes for the first two years or 24,000 miles. Shop for your new Honda at Sheridan Honda today. Do you like your bluegrass served with a little punch, attitude, grit and gravy, with that busking spirit that was so present in the early incarnations of Old Crow Medicine Show? You'll definitely enjoy Damn Tall Buildings when they take to the Mars Theater Saturday, March 7th. At 7 p.m. Bluegrass at the heart, but pulling from a wide range of influences, including swing, ragtime, jazz. They offer unmatched energy and enthusiasm, underpinned by intelligent songs that don't skimp on infectiousness. Damn Tall Buildings, Saturday, March 2nd. Get your tickets today at the Wyo Box Office or online at wyotheater.com. Shop, donate, volunteer. Ahoy there, mateys. It's Arnold the Pirate speaking to you from the ReStore, where we've been slashing prices of furniture, appliances, cabinets, and items for your yard. We have the best deals on the seven seas, and when you spend your doubloons here, the proceeds go to building homes right here in Sheridan County. So come see us today, the ReStore, 44 Fort Road. Um, what's a pirate's favorite letter? No, it's not the R, it's the C. <laughs> Broadcasting from the Sheridan Community Federal Credit Union Studio, News Talk 930, KROE Sheridan. Now on 103.9 FM, 